What does your zodiac sign say? Stay tuned. It's another one from Truth Be Told, Hosea 4-6 Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Trevor Trev, one half of TBT Hosea 4-6. I know it's been a while. Please forgive me. I am living a very hectic life right now. So <laughs> new addition in the family on top of work, on top of ministry. Uh, exciting news. I've, I was accepted into my Ph.D. program in biblical studies. Hooray. I don't know if I'm going to go, though, because I, like I said, my life is very busy <laughs> and they need to answer ASAP. But I, I think that answer is going to be let's let's wait a little bit till children get a little bit older. So but anyways, that's that's just some exciting news. Um, we are starting our first series, our first show recording on our new series on the occult slash cults. So you heard the uh, I guess preliminary, if that's the right word I want to find to use that um what all the details and i'm super excited to have this wonderful young lady on today um i think we may be in the same state i don't know who knows she has some probably has some some roots here maybe who knows but either way i first encountered her on uh american gospel and I remember I text my friend who uh, who's been on our show. His name is O.L. Buckley, pastors in New York. Um, I said, man, Marshall Montenegro. And it was just a long text about just goodness. And he was like, bro, she's a problem. We got to check, you know, and that's and I mean that in a good way, you know, like. So I started Googling. I was looking at her book. So I got a books here on the Instagram. Is that I think it's like, OK, cool. So but she's here because she's she. um Marsha, I'm gonna get it right, is an ex-astrologist. And so one of the most wider things with the occult, and a lot of us do it, and I'm I'm not saying me, but just us in general, because I know our audience is broad. Um, and we're in several different countries. Zodiac signs. And we don't realize the pagan connection of the zodiac signs, the uh you know, and even to an extent of, well, shut up. I'm going to let Marsh get into it. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> I was about to say, because some stuff is off and NASA confirmed that, but I'm going to hush my mouth. But anyways, joining me on the day is Marsha, 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 Marsha Montenegro. <laughs> Welcome to the Truth Be Told Jose 46 podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on, Trevor. I'm so glad to be here with you. No, we, it's a pleasure. Her and I, we've been uh, trying to get on the same page and yes. just scheduling. And it's life. Nobody's getting paid over here, so I'm not losing sleep. You know, hey, I might have something going on. I got out work a little bit later than what I expected. And then I end up losing the cord to my microphone. I was like, damn, oh, no. so I had to order a new one from Amazon. <laughs> wait for that one to get in. So, but it's all good. It's all good. God's still going to get glorified, glorified from this oh, conversation. Man. We're not going to take anything from God. Uh, we both have experiences 
uh, directly and indirectly with the occult. I'm just so glad that she said yes, because, you know, she's superstar. She got books out. She, she's been on American Gospel. And I was like, yo, I got to get her. But anyways, thank you, Marsha. It's so glad to have you here. Just tell a little bit uh, about yourself to the audience. Okay, uh, sure. Take a couple minutes if you like. Thank you. Uh, yes, I was in what is called the New Age for a good 20 years. Um, I had a background uh, that was a very soft, semi-Christian background with my um, my grandparents were very stalwart Baptist churchgoers on my mother's side. So my mother was raised that way. However, my mother, um, from what I observed in my life, was more of a nominal Christian. And my father was an agnostic. Um, and we moved around. We lived overseas because my father was a foreign service officer, um, i.e. a diplomat. And uh, so the churches we went to were kind of these generic type churches that my mother, my mother always thought children should go to church. And we came back to the United States. I was going to a Baptist church. I, we were living in uh, Maryland outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, and I was very faithful. And I thought, I, would, I mean, if you had asked me, are you a Christian? I would have said yes. But I actually wasn't. I didn't even know what the gospel was. If you ask me why Jesus died on the cross, I'm not sure. I might have said he died for sins because I'd heard it, but I didn't know what it meant. Um, I really, I really was without a clue as to what Christianity was about. Mm -hmm. I thought it was about being good. It was moralism. Right. Um, so I became disillusioned with that. I had non-Christian friends and I'm going to skip over a lot here and just say that led me on a journey Mm -hmm. uh, really starting in high school and continuing on in college and afterwards into two major areas, uh, the supernatural or what I saw as a supernatural and Eastern religions. And so I followed those. They, they don't sound like they go together, in, but in some ways they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they overlap in areas. And I followed those two main pathways. Uh, for many years, getting more and more involved in each area. I eventually became a professional uh, certified astrologer in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and so I was practicing legally. I had a business license. I had taken a seven hour exam to qualify for that license. I'm sorry, you said seven hours? A seven hour exam, Whoa. A, an astrological exam set up by the astrologers when astrology was classified as fortune telling as it usually is and mm -hmm. fortune telling was illegal on the city books and this is still true across the country many cities and counties you will find fortune telling is illegal because basically that's covering what they consider to be the scam artists okay okay um and and there are a lot of scam artists who, mm -hmm. who you would call fortune tellers. Right. But then there's the serious types, the spiritual types like the new agers or just real hardcore astrologers who really believe in astrology and really think they're helping people. Mm -hmm. So I was in that group and that group had set up with the city uh, basically an exam and they said, 
okay, let's make it legal, but people who want to practice legally are going to have to prove they know astrology and they're going to have to take an exam. Mm -hmm. And so this exam was set up uh, and you had to pass it to be qualified to purchase the business license. And that way, if you didn't have the business license, they could fine you. Mm So that was the city went along with that. And that's how it got set up. That was before I came along. But I ended up, of course, participating and getting my license. I got involved with the Astrological Society there. I had already been involved with um, Hinduism, Tibetan Buddhism and Zen Buddhism. Okay. (laughs) And I I kind of stayed with Zen Buddhism. Mm hmm. And I was uh, an astrologer. I had studied other things. I'd taken psychic development. I'd taken, you know, numerology, palm reading, past life regression, uh, and some other kind of new age areas. Uh, So I had interests and some knowledge in other areas, but I was focused on astrology. Okay. And that was where I stayed until the Lord intervened and took me out of it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, on your exam, did they talk about the history of astrology? Did y'all have to know the history? No, they didn't give any history. As uh, The first thing you learn are the mathematical formulas you have to know to compute the chart mathematically. Okay. That was the first thing we had to learn, which was the hardest because it was math. And I'm not, I'm, I'm really, I'm just really horrible. I'm still bad at math. Same. I'll have same. a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> I run from it. <laughs> I am just not a math person. Right. And, um, but I had to learn it and I was motivated. So I learned it. And then we learned about the interpretation. Mm-hmm. Now there was little bits of history that came in uh, just kind of referenced here and there, but nothing really, not that much. I got into that later because I was actually asked by a local new age journal to write a history of astrology and so i did some research and i and i wrote something up and then it wasn't published <laughs> mm. but because i had done some research and ran it up i learned it and i i'm not like a an expert on it or anything but i, I have a broad general knowledge of it okay what <clears throat> so i was i forgot what i think i got this magazine at food line it was titled paranormal um oh okay by uh the history channel put out you know they have series their own magazine and they have series and so i was looking through that and i was interested because you know just giving some background information on that they attributed to the babylonians and then i was reading and let me get his name right um clint e arnold's book um it's uh powers of darkness principalities and powers in paul's letters and he talks about astrology during first century Judaism. And I think he's, he's kind of giving tribute or saying maybe the origin from what we know from letters that the Egyptians were looking to the stars. Mm -hmm. Do you know who it came from? It seems like the weight link, the pendulum link swings a little bit more towards the Babylonians, everything that I've read thus far versus the Egyptians. Yes, um, I think as far as we know, and let me just start off by saying no one has a real clear definitive history because there isn't a documentation that goes all the way back. So 
it's usually referenced in other things. There's not like somebody who sat down and wrote, wrote it all out when it was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is true for many um, practices of the occult. People didn't really write it out or write it about it, or those documents were, were not preserved. Um, so what we know, and of course the Bible backs this up, I think it seems to be uh, Babel, Babylonian in origin. Okay. Um, and we see in Daniel that the the Chaldeans often um, or Chaldeans are equivalent to astrologers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they say the Chaldeans, and it's in reference to the people who were advising uh, the king um, on his dreams, uh, they are equated with astrologers. Mm-hmm. And of course, later on, we see the Magi in going to uh, seeking out the, the, the birth of a king. Um, and of course, Matthew 2, the star and that whole account there. And they were advisors to kings and right. they knew about stars and looking at the stars, etc. And that was a form of astrology. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it seems to be back to the Babylonians. Now, I'm sure it was practiced in many pagan cultures. Right. And we just don't know how far back. Probably, I would say probably after the flood and after man had been scattered and there was more widespread um, worship of false gods. Mm-hmm. And I think it really took root and maybe was developed in Babylon. Uh, and the way it was done at that time, in ancient times, it's very different. It was done only for rulers. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't done as an individual thing. People didn't go to an astrologer to get their chart done. <laughs> right, right. Uh, this was, uh, these were advisors to kings and rulers who would tell them things like, you know, we see, and of course, they didn't know the planets were planets. They thought they were stars mm-hmm. because they didn't know what a planet was then. But they noticed these fast moving bodies and compared to stars, the planets move very quickly. Of course. Right. Right. So they noticed these heavenly lights were moving rather fast and they moved in regular patterns. And they so they attributed that to some kind of uh, godlike power and felt that these were either the homes of gods or they were gods. Mm-hmm. And Therefore, they looked to that for meaning and they would they started associating it with events on Earth. So they would say, oh, yes, we see this particular star is now getting closer to the sun. This means that your enemies are approaching and you're going to have to prepare for war, that kind of thing. So these interpretations kind of we don't know exactly how they came about, but this is from speculation that this is how it started. Mm-hmm. And then they came to represent certain gods. And this was all much more clear later um, when Greece, uh, the Greeks, what the Greeks did was in the later years or later times of Greece, when they were actually in a state of what most people consider to be their downfall in terms of their culture and civilization, they were absorbing more ideas uh, from other cultures. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they absorbed was astrology from the Arabs. Okay. And so astrology came from what the Arabs were considered at that time. 
And they took that on and they fused that with their Greek uh, gods. Mm-hmm. And so the, the planets and zodiac signs became associated with Greek gods and had the names of Greek gods and the powers of Greek gods, you know, Ares, the god of war. Right. And all the other gods. Uh, so that that was the Greeks. And of course, then when Rome uh, took over, they basically just adopted the Greek religion mm-hmm. uh, or the Greek gods, but they gave them Roman names. So Aries became Mars. Right. You know? And so the names we know now, like Venus and Aries and Mercury, I mean, Venus and Mars and Mercury and Jupiter, they're all the Greek um, Roman names. Mm-hmm. And so that became a very uh, codified, uh, structured thing in astrology. And also what happened in Greece was that it was the first time astrology was used for individuals and not just rulers. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And the the richer Greeks who had the money would pay people who claimed to be astrologers to draw up charts for their children to see their mm-hmm. destiny so they would look at the position of the planets at the child's birth and they would interpret that um, or maybe in other ways as well and they would interpret the position of these planets and which they did, still thought were stars and would say okay this is the destiny Mm-hmm. And so this is how modern astrology really began. It really began really in, in with the Greeks and then the Romans who adopted that system. And that became the basis for, for Western astrology, which includes, uh, it's very similar. I, I don't know the history of astrology in India. Mm-hmm. And I know there's some differences in the way it's done in India, but it still seems to be based on that same system. Mm-hmm. When you get over further, like into China, mm-hmm. Chinese astrology, and I do not know the history of it, but Chinese astrology is completely different. It's not the same system. It's um, it's just done on a completely different basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look at the hours of the day. They have certain years, you know, the year of the snake, the year of the rat, right. the year of the rooster. Um, I don't know where those came from. I'm sure it goes way back to some ancient paganism in china and their system is completely different okay so uh and then we also have the other system i know about that's completely different is native american astrology okay and the nate in the forms of native america which is not one thing but of course because native american uh culture it was tribal so it's different tribes Right. So I don't even know if the tribes are all the same or different, but from what I know from a, a, at least one or two tribes, um, there it's a completely different system. Doesn't have anything to do with the the Greeks or the Romans and the kind of astrology we know in this country and in the West. So that's a whole other system. <laughs> I had mm-hmm. a book once on some Native American astrology, and I was kind of reading through it to get an idea of it. But I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know that much about it. I wasn't really, I didn't want to learn it mm-hmm. because I was completely happy with the astrology I was doing. <laughs> right. And, uh, but it, I, it's just good to know that, that culturally you have very stark differences mm-hmm. uh, out there. So there's not like one kind of astrology worldwide. 
So would you say that astrology that came to America is a hodgepodge of Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, whatever? Would you say, I mean, probably more so Greek and what the Greeks and Romans practice, but could it picked up anything indigenous as well? Um, Not just Native yeah. Americans, but maybe local, what local Greeks might have mixed in or... No, I, I think that I think that the Babylonian ideas were merged with the um, Arab and Greek ideas and okay. the Romans. And so I think what the Romans did, which included a lot of the Greek um, concepts, was pretty much the main basis for our astrology. Mm-hmm. Now, that particular basis, which went on, of course, for centuries... Um, and in the Middle Ages, even back to, to the Middle Ages, which was, yeah, several hundred years ago, but not as far back as, as the ancients, <laughs> even then, it, it was, it's not exactly the same as today. Mm-hmm. There's the same um, kind of zodiac signs, but sometimes um, they, didn't, they didn't always use all 12 signs. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the charts differently. Uh, the interpretations were more rigid and had to, were more fatalistic. And they often had more to do also with diagnosis of illness, because actually in the Middle Ages, they were using astrology uh, to diagnose illnesses in people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was related a lot to the four Greek humors, the ethers, the, um, you know, whether you are uh, choleric, or I've forgotten the four categories. There's four categories. (laughs) Choleric is one. Mm -hmm. Um, And this goes, this is something to do with ancient, what's called the ancient Greek humors, which also was seen as more of a physical thing than a person that wasn't seen as a personality thing so much as the way your body, um, you had a certain kind of body type and health type. Mm -hmm. And so, that was used in the Middle Ages with astrology and was used sometimes to diagnose. So they actually used it in that in that way. It wasn't and probably not as much personal interpretation because not very no people couldn't afford to do that. Right. Um, now it then it, it it and it was different, but it developed. It it didn't change all that much until what happened was the Age of Enlightenment when science began to develop as as a study there was a split between astronomy and astrology oh i forgot to say also i should have said this in ancient times astrology and astronomy were the same thing okay because there was no science of astronomy as such Mm -hmm. there were people who who studied the movement of the planets and stars and plotted them out they were used for guidance you know Mm -hmm. by ships um, and, and direction, uh, things like that. So they were used in practical ways, but they were also interpreted. People believe there was a meaning behind them mm-hmm. and that's astrology. The other part is astronomy. So they were basically astronomer astrologers. Mm-hmm. And then in the age of enlightenment, when science was developing and the scientific method and outlook came that made a split with the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And so astronomy and astrology split. Mm-hmm. 
and astronomy went on as a study, as a scientific study, astrology went on as a, a basically an occult practice. Okay. So astronomers, like for example, today, of course, astronomers completely denounce astrology. Right, right. Call, and, what do they call pseudoscience? Of, yeah, and make fun of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. they don't. <laughs> there's, there's like an enmity between astrologers and astronomers. <laughs> um, now you start off with the astrologers start off with astronomical data, mm -hmm. but they believe that there's an interpretation there. So that was another big change in astrology is when yeah. you split from astronomy. And then there was more influence in the 1800s with the development of psychology. Okay. Now, psychology, there were some astrologers in the early 20th century who started incorporating psychology into astrology and the meaning of zodiac signs and how they interpreted the chart. That continued through the 20th century and especially through Carl Jung, who was a psychotherapist who had studied under Freud. He split Sigmund with Freud. Yeah, Sigmund Freud. He split with Freud, went his own way. And actually Carl Jung, um, and, and I'm not the only one who thinks this, I think his views were more spiritual than, he had psychological views, but he mixed a lot of spirituality in them. Okay. And he was very interested in the occult. Mm -hmm. And so his ideas uh, infiltrated and influenced contemporary astrology to a great degree. A lot of the material I read as an astrologer by people who wrote on interpretation was by Jungian psychologists. Oh, wow. Yeah. So actually a very well-known uh, astrologer and writer Liz Green, whose name has now changed because she later married, and I can't remember her married name, but she was known as Liz Green when I was reading her, and she's from the UK, uh, was a Jungian psychotherapist, and she did heavy Jungian interpretation of the chart. Mm -hmm. She wrote a whole book on the planet Saturn, for example, and the wow. planet Saturn in the chart, and much of it from the Jungian viewpoint, and I absorbed all this. Mm -hmm. and accepted it as valid so a lot of, so i learned a lot about union worldviews through astrology oh wow <laughs> and that that became now i'm not i'm saying all astrologers use this but it was a, a a very big influence so that in brief is a is a broad overview of the history and development of astrology okay let's fast forward um i know we're gonna come up on time here in about like a few 20 minutes something like that um so you get your license, you're operating an astrologer. Let's say I come to you. What happens then? Hey, Marsha, I'm looking for some guidance in my life. What okay. took place? Okay. First of all, I would have to get your birth data. Okay. So you would probably first, unless you just ran into me and met me, you'd have my phone number mm -hmm. that somebody maybe gave you because they had their chart done. Most mm -hmm. of my business was word of mouth. Okay. Um, there was a few other places people would find out about me, but that was more usual. Um, and then there was a place where I taught astrology. Mm -hmm. Actually, there were two places. And so maybe they would give you my name if you called them and said, hey, I, I, I want to talk to an astrologer. Mm -hmm. Then you would call me and I would say, I need your birth data. If you have your exact birth time from your birth certificate, I would like that. If not, if somebody in the family has a time and says, oh, yes, it was around, you know, 
it was around 4.30 in the afternoon or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll take whatever time you can give me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would take that time. Oh, in your birthplace. Okay. I would get the chart computed. We would set up a time for you to come in. I would look at your chart and prepare before you came in. And this is assuming you live in the area that I live in. You would come in and see me and I would you would sit there and I would interpret the chart for you. Right. And the chart would be considered a blueprint of your life, of, of uh, everything you've brought into this life, mm-hmm. uh, in all areas of your life, relationships, career, um, you know, personality, childhood influence, etc. And I would go over that whole thing with you. And I would look at the coming year, especially the coming six months, by looking at the present position of planets and their movements compared to your birth chart. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say the present position of planets, I should say the from Saturn on out because they move more slowly. It takes about 29 years for Saturn to go around the birth chart. The other planets move faster, so they're not as significant. Mm-hmm. You look at Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, which of course now is no longer considered a planet. Right. If you look, I, I looked at those and their effects on your birth chart or supposed effects. And I would talk to you about things coming up for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I would do. Now, if you weren't, and let's say you live somewhere else and somebody that knew you who knew me said, hey, you should get your chart done by Marsha, but you lived across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you could still get your chart done. You give me your birth data. Um, I would do it. I recorded it on a cassette because back in the dark ages, we used cassettes. <laughs> I remember those. I remember them. <laughs> you must be old. <laughs> I, you know, I'm in my thirties, but I, re- I do remember them. You do remember them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you aren't old. Yeah. You are not old at all. I didn't I'm really think you were old. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm definitely, I'm much older than you, but yeah, we used cassettes and I would record it. On a cassette, I would look at the chart, record it, send it to you. Mm. So, um, of course, there's always a payment set up. I would ask for half the payment ahead of time and half of it when I did the chart. Mm-hmm. And that would the charts would entail person's future, health? Well, it's their past, their okay. present, and, and partly the future. But the future was not a fixed thing. See, because of the influence mm-hmm. of psychology and the union psychological angle, we talked more about possibilities and options. Mm. We didn't say, oh, you're going to change your job or you're going to be, you might be fired or uh, you're going to get sick in three months. Mm -hmm. We didn't say things like that. We did what we call forecasts. So we said things like, there's a good chance there's going to be a disruption in your relationship. Right. So you got somebody uh, thinking thing, things like that. There's going to be a sudden change at your job or something. And it might be that, uh, you know, you'll get a new boss perhaps. So we would, we would, we would maybe modify it a bit, but it was a more open-ended kind of thing. Or we mm-hmm. might say, well, these are possibilities for what might happen. Right. When did, when did it start to become alarming, dangerous spiritually? For me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Well, I never saw it as alarming or dangerous. 
Okay. I never thought it was. I thought I loved astrology. I thought it was my calling. Mm-hmm. I never thought it was a bad thing. I was convinced it was a good thing. Um, and so were my clients thought that. Of course, all my astrology friends had this astrologer friends had the same view. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody who thought it was a bad thing. Right. Um, in my world. Uh, I know Christians, generally speaking, did not think it was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't agree with them. So I didn't care what mm-hmm. they thought. Um, it never became alarming to me. Um, I, I would really have to go into my testimony to explain what happened because it's a very kind of strange. Uh, I don't want to strange say strange in the sense of hard to believe, but it's a very unusual story. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, we got a little bit of time. Okay. All right. Well, all right then. Uh, so what happened was I had been, uh, now I mentioned that I had had to take a, an exam in the city of Atlanta to practice legally. Mm-hmm. The exam is formulated by a group of astrologers that they have a board that the city set up called the Board of Astrology Examiners. And these are astro- astrologers practicing astrologers who formulate the exam every year. It's given at city hall. I took Mm -hmm. the exam at city hall. Uh, The city actually mails the exams to people and assigns you a number. You go to city hall, take the exam. The city sends the exams to the board and the astrologers on the board look and look at the exams and grade them. And they don't know who the people are because everyone is just given a number and that's done. So there's no bias. Right. Of course, because, of course, in most cases, the astrologers on the board are going to know many of the people who are taking the exam because they probably taught them or helped them prepare for the exam. Right. So, you know, we didn't want to know who they were and be biased. We would grade the exam and then we would let the city know the uh, scores and who passed and who failed the city would send a letter out to those people well i was on that board for four years and i had Mm -hmm. been chairperson for three of those four years and i became president of the astrological society so i was really kind of at what you might call the peak of my career Mm -hmm. and i had people i had regular clients return you have get returning clients because they come back every year for an update or a relationship chart and I was teaching astrology as well. Mm-hmm. And I was on several committees. It was a very active astrological society. So I was quite involved with astrology. Uh, and as my year was ending, I was still president. Um, I began to have a strange compulsion to go to a church. Mm-hmm. Um, which I didn't know where that was coming from. I didn't want to go. I didn't understand it. I thought it was just very, very odd. So I tried to ignore it, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it didn't go away and it continued and it continued and it continued. And it went on for several months. And I finally, uh, I finally decided I would go into a church because I thought it was probably an unresolved issue from a previous life as a Christian. Now, I totally believed in reincarnation. Right. And I had started believing in it early on uh, before I had completely gotten involved in the new age when I was still kind of getting into it. Mm-hmm. 
So I believed it was probably a previous life as a Christian that had an unresolved issue and I had to go into a church to figure it out. So I went to this large church in downtown Atlanta and I sat in the back and my plan was to leave early uh, because I had no desire to stay there, of course. Mm -hmm. And I um, sat in the back, the service began, the music began, everyone stood up and they had a procession down the aisle from the back led by a young boy carrying a cross. And as he passed me, uh, what I call a waterfall of love fell on over me. Mm. Um, it was a very powerful experience. It was very real. It wasn't the music or anything like that. It was right. incredibly powerful. And I knew that it was from a personal God telling mm -hmm. me he loved me. I didn't hear a voice, but that's, that's what I knew. Um, I didn't understand it mm -hmm. at all because I really didn't believe in a personal God. Okay. So God was an energy or a force to me that we all came from and we'd all return to one day. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like the ocean, you know, we, right. we were drops from the ocean and we would go back to the ocean. Very common mm -hmm. idea in the new age. I did not, I couldn't process it, mm -hmm. uh, but I stayed for the whole service. And then I decided to go back the next Sunday simply because I think I was a little curious and I sort of wanted to be where it had happened. Mm -hmm. So I kept going each Sunday to this church uh, and I, I didn't fit in, of course, and I didn't really know what anything they said i didn't know what they were talking about <laughs> i didn't know that the the, ser the sermons or the messages they gave i didn't really i didn't really get the point mm -hmm. i didn't understand any of the liturgy but i was going and within a few weeks i began to get this impression that god did not like astrology mm. Uh, I didn't understand it, so I ignored it. Uh, a few more weeks went by, and I got this impression that God was telling me to give it up. And I thought, well, I can't give it up. This is my life's calling. This is my work. Uh, you know, I don't understand why God wants me to give it up. And I just resisted it mm -hmm. as, as, hard, as much as I could. Uh, that only lasted... Um, uh, I would say that only lasted maybe, <laughs> gosh, it lasted less than four weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, I resisted up to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I knew I had to give it up mm -hmm. because God did not like it. Yeah. I was still confused as to why he did not like it, but I actually I actually did give it up. Now, to me, this is the incredible part of my testimony that I, as an unbeliever, gave up something that I loved and believed in because of this impression that God wanted me to give it up. Nobody told me this. Nobody showed me anything from scripture. Nobody told me God had denounced it. Nobody told me it was part, it was 
of the occult. I think I knew it was of the occult. That didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no, I had no normal basis for giving it up. My only basis was that this God who had been giving me this impression and who loved me wanted me to give it up. And I gave mm-hmm. it up. This is a really huge thing considering I had, I had only been president a few months before. I was still active in the Astrological Society. I was still a teacher. I still had clients. I still had people calling me for charts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a practicing doctor suddenly just one day saying, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do medicine anymore. Right. Tell my patients, you know, sorry, I'm not going to see them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not teaching the classes, at the medical school block, you know, you just drop it all in the middle. Right. Right. <laughs> or maybe it's more like a football player in the middle of the season, <laughs> the season saying, Hey, I'm not playing football anymore. Right. You know, it was just a complete stop in my tracks. Mm. And um, of course, people were confused. My clients call me. I said, I can't do astrology anymore. They would, and that's not all of them asked me why. Mm-hmm. Some of them said why. And I said, I don't know. Um, and then sometimes I would say somehow astrology is separating me from God. Mm. That was the only thing I understood. Mm-hmm. And they would say, how? And I would say, I don't know. So, I mean, I really didn't know. So I, uh, people I'm sure just kind of wondered about me. Um, I couldn't, I didn't participate at the Astrological Society anymore. I had to find um, another teacher for my classes. Mm-hmm. I, I had to, I just had to stop. Uh, now, this is the interesting part I did not, say which is okay because it's okay to bring it in now a year earlier uh, my marriage had ended i i was married and had a son a young mm-hmm. very young son, a, a baby um and uh, my marriage had ended and at the time i was just doing astrology mm-hmm. and was not sure how i could live uh on that uh especially taking care of my son even with what little help, you know, his, his father could give me. So uh, at that point, one of my clients called me and offered me a part-time job in his office. Mm -hmm. And this job was, he wanted me to look at the birth data of the employees and give him advice based on that secretly. And he was giving me a very good salary. And so, of course, I took that job and this financially saved me. And I was doing that and still doing my astrology practice. And that and I was at that job when all of this started happening, the impressions I got about astrology and going to the church, et cetera. All Mm -hmm. that time I was at this job. So when I gave astrology up, of course, that would mean I could no longer do this job. Right. But this was right at Thanksgiving. Uh, By the way, I'd gone to the church on Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. And my boss who had hired me was away on this long, like eight week leave of absence. And he wasn't coming back till January. He had left like busy work for me. It wasn't Mm -hmm. astrology. It was busy work. 
And so there I was, I couldn't tell him, I couldn't do it anymore, but I had an income because of the busy work. Right. So I'm still getting an income thinking about how I'm going to have to tell him when he comes back, I can't do astrology. How will I explain this to him? (laughs) And what am I going to do for money? (laughs) Um, And so during this time, which was a very kind of limbo for me, I decided to start reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I started reading Matthew chapter one, verse one, and I'm reading a little bit every night. And I get to chapter eight, and this is right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I'm reading an account in chapter eight. And it, it, it just, I don't know what it, what it did to me. It had some kind of effect on me. And I, I just kept reading it because I, it's just something about it got to me. And I kept reading it over and over again. And as I was rereading it, God opened my eyes Mm. and I saw who Jesus was. Amen. And I realized I had been on a path going away from God and actually opposed to God Mm -hmm. and that I really did need Christ as my savior. And so I just turned my life over to Christ and I immediately, Mm. uh, I immediately was aware that I became a new person. I mean, this was, this was all, I was aware of all this within a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have the language, the, the, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? Christianese or. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't have the church language. Right. Um, I didn't think I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm regenerated. I just knew that that I was new inside. Mm-hmm. I was different. God had changed me. My the course of my life was altered forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so at that moment, I was born again. So then, by the time my boss comes back, I'm able to go to him and say. I've become a Christian. I can no longer do this. Uh, Now, he was very nice. Mm -hmm. He continued to employ me there and give me busy work, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, I think shows the graciousness of the Lord. Right. That sustained me and my son for several months without me having to do astrology, because, Mm -hmm. of course, I didn't have my astrology practice anymore. Right. Not that I was making a lot of money from it, but it was a loss of some income. This, what I was getting in this office was enough to, to sustain me mm-hmm. and my son. So I found out while I was still working there that a young Christian man there had been praying for me with this church all during the previous year. Now, I had gone into that church on Labor Day. I'd given astrology up the night before Thanksgiving, and I became a Christian four days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. All of my dates are all around these holidays. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, I really think it was, I, I mean, it's like the Lord did that so I could remember it <laughs> right, right. when it all happened. Um, and it wasn't until April that I found this out about mm-hmm. the prayer. And um, I was really blown away by that because I understood that for the first time what prayer you know, I didn't, I didn't really get prayer. I mean, I prayed to God. I didn't really know how I'm supposed to pray, 
um, you know, I, 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 I believed in prayer. I just totally didn't understand it. I mean, of mm -hmm. course, I was really a brand new Christian. I, know, I had nobody to disciple me. Right. I, mean, I was completely at sea because the church I was in was this very open-minded church. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there were lots of people there who I don't think were Christians. It's right. a very liberal mainline church. And um, there was no guidance at all. I did switch over during that time to what would be seen as a somewhat more theologically conservative church, but still in a what would be seen as a rather liberal denomination. Right. Um, and so I did get some guidance there and I did meet some Christians, mm -hmm. uh, especially one Christian couple uh, helped me a lot. They had been in the new age and have also been in the uh, church of Scientology. Oh, wow. Which is a, a, a cult. Right. Oh, and yeah. uh, they helped me tremendously. I mean, they're the only ones who really understood me. Nobody else knew what to say to me. At that mm -hmm. church. Oh, yeah. And because uh, I would say, well, I was an astrologer and they became a Christian and people would kind of just look at me like they didn't know what to say to me. It was so bizarre. Mm -hmm. So um, I was, you know, taking some classes and learning a bit about the Bible, getting a little bit of grounding in it, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. So I did get some provision from the Lord there and, and some guidance. Now I got a lot more later. But that's what happened. And I found out this guy had prayed for me with these people at his church. And I just thought, wow, he was praying for me. Mm. God clearly, not that God needed him to pray, but he worked through that prayer. Right. And what did it do? It glorified God. Mm. Because these people who prayed, found out I had given astrology up and become a Christian, they saw the fruit of that prayer and they saw, you know, that God does work through prayer. Now God can save any way he wants, but mm -hmm. in that case, he used prayer. So I think this is also uh, maybe happened because God wants people to see that praying should not be viewed as a lost cause when you can't reach somebody right because this young man never tried to quote unquote witness to me yeah he asked me various questions about what i thought about things you know he knew i was an astrologer mm -hmm. uh, nobody at the office knew that's why i was there but i did tell people i was an astrologer so the people i talked to there knew it mm -hmm. um so he did know that i mean that's why he started praying for me with this fellowship group and um it shows that when God gives you a burden to pray for somebody, he wants you to pray for them. Right. And you may not see the results. You know, this young man and his group did, but, but mm -hmm. it's possible you pray and you won't ever know, maybe until heaven, <laughs> what the right. results are. You know, right. that's okay, God, you're supposed to be faithful and mm -hmm. pray. Amen. Um, so when you, when you became a, Christian, you give your life to Christ. Did what did you do with all your astrology books, charts? Did you do what they did in Acts 19? Says they burnt the books. Well, no, I didn't burn them. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, those books they burned in Acts 19, my understanding is those were very valuable mm -hmm. because they were books of magic and those right. were considered very, very valuable. And so burning them was one way to show 
that these are now worthless to us. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people take that the wrong way and think that they burn them because they're like demons in the books or something. No, demons don't possess material objects. You don't, <clears throat> having an occult book doesn't mean there's a demon in your room. You know, I mm-hmm. have occult books in, <laughs> in my room. Um, they burned them to show they'd given the practice up and that they were no longer valuable. And so nobody else would have them. Mm-hmm. Right. So what happened is, is actually before I became a Christian, when I gave astrology up, this was kind of a strange thing. I usually don't mention in my um, testimony is that I was unable to go near the bookcase that had my astrology books. Oh, wow. I would look at it and I just couldn't go near it. Because mm-hmm. I kept thinking I need to do something with those books. I didn't know. Well, I wasn't sure what I should do. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't go near it. And um, what I finally did when later, when I was able to go near it, and this is not, I, w- I don't suggest this. I think this is the wrong thing to do. But remember, I was a new Christian and I had nobody helping me. <laughs> I took them to the Astrological Society. Mm-hmm. I no longer was teaching to a class. And I either sold them or gave them away. I don't remember what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, um, if I could go back and do what I would think I should have done, I would have thrown them away. Right. That's what I would have done. But at the time, I just thought, well, other people can use them. And yeah. see, this, this is another point I want to make, even though I knew astrology was wrong and God didn't like it and I had given it up and mm-hmm. I knew I had been on this path away from God. I did not understand what evil was. Yeah. It took me, in fact, a year and a half to understand what evil was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I knew evil was bad, but it's one thing knowing that and then really understanding it. I did not understand the incredible evil that is involved in the practice of astrology and the mm-hmm. deception. And so to me, it was like these books are just going to go to waste. I'm going to go to sell them or give them to these people who can use them. And that's mm-hmm. what I did. Uh, later, like I say, it was much later, I realized, wow, those, those books are really, the teachings in there are really evil. Yeah. Let me, let's, ta- let's talk about that. Um, since you, since coming out of astrology, now you're a Christian, somebody might say, you know, Marcia, I, I'm just looking to the stars. You know, what's wrong with that? How is that evil? Okay. What is the evil? What is the deception? Because I mean, you hear it on the radio shows. Today's yeah. your zodiac sign. Oh, I know. Uh, you know, it's in books, it's in magazines, it's, it's in newspaper. I know. What is what is the inherent danger? Why is astrology okay, so demonic? Why is God against astrology? Yeah, every time I pick up my phone, if I haven't looked at it for a few minutes and it kind of shuts the screen shuts down or whatever, mm-hmm. I have to, I have to hit it to come back on the first thing i see is uh read your zodiac read your horoscope today mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that particular thing on my phone advertisement is part of the company that owns the phone okay and that's what they have on there at least for uh, now maybe not all day but at least the first part of the day it's uh, that's the first thing that comes up is your horoscope for today oh wow <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness you know and i just swipe it away 
Um, but I know it's just everywhere. Mm -hmm. So um, here's the problem. The, what you're seeing, uh, like on my phone or maybe in the um, horoscope column of magazines and newspapers and online, mm -hmm. uh, you're seeing the popular sun sign astrology, zodiac signs, astrology based on the sun's position at your time of birth. An astrologer looks at the position of the sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, or, you know, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and around the 12, around in a circle, the 12 houses in the various zodiac signs. So that is simple sun sign astrology, which most astrologers don't even think is, is there's much to it. Mm -hmm. However, it is based on belief in astrology. It's based on the belief that the time of your birth has something to do with who you are and what you should do. So when you are looking at that, even just out of curiosity or for fun, you are signaling uh, that you are willing to believe what it says or mm -hmm. that you might believe what it says right? or that you want to know what it says. Right. So you're giving it some kind of credence. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you have allowed yourself to be receptive to being deceived. I mean, that's the first step towards deception is to be willing to hear something that is false. Right. Uh, and if you know God's denounced it or you don't think it's really valid and you know it's false, you're now setting yourself up for deception. We can really, we really are deceived a lot more easily than we think we are. Right. Most people don't like to think they can be easily deceived, but actually we can. So even Christians can be deceived. And we know that much of the New Testament is written to warn about false teaching. Right. Amen. So Christians can be deceived. And I have met Christians who have fallen into astrology. Usually what happens is they get desperate for some kind of guidance. And they either are praying or reading the Bible and don't think they're getting the guidance, or they may not even try to pray or read the Bible and just out of desperation, go to an astrologer or a psychic. Uh, and then they, they get information that they think is helpful. Mm -hmm. And then they start justifying it. Well, maybe God's using this astrologer, you know, to help me or whatever, yeah. whatever they think to justify it. And then you really get into trouble. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So you are, what you're doing is taking the first step towards deception and you're dishonoring God because God completely denounces astrology. It is a form of divination. Divination denounced throughout the Old Testament Amen. And in some parts of the New Testament, particularly the passage in Acts 16, where Paul and um, I think it's Paul. Yeah. Paul and Barnabas encounter the woman with the spirit of divination. Right. I think it's Barnabas. And she is uh, what they actually not an astrologer, but. They say that she, the, the I understand that the Greek technically says she's possessed by the spirit of the um, serpent, I believe. And this goes back to the Oracle at Delphi. 
Yeah. Uh, there was a belief that that yeah. language is used for the oracle at Delphi who was doing divination. Yeah, if it's, um, uh, it's the serpent snake, um, Arnold's book that I mentioned earlier, he has a nice little write-up on that. Oh, uh, okay. Oracle Delphi, the yeah. that, that serpent spirit. Yeah. Yep, that was the um, that was the girl in the Greek that spirit. Yes, yep. yes, because she was possessed by that or had that, um, and that's how she was doing her divination. Mm -hmm. um, I actually did a, a couple of Facebook posts on that because I looked into the the what what it says and and I looked up some commentaries on it. Um, so basically, what 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 the text is telling us is that this is a demonic power. Yeah. And not that there's some kind of weird spirit of a serpent, but that, that's how the Greeks saw it. This is basically a demonic um, power or demonic entity that was allowing her to do this. Now, that doesn't mean all people who do divination. I don't think most people who do it are possessed. I want to make that clear. I think actually possession is very rare. Yeah. But you can be influenced and you can have the aid of demons to do your work. Right. And I certainly did because I mean, I had spirit guides and uh, spirit guides are very common in the new age and spirit guides uh, in the new age are seen as benevolent uh, entities who are advanced spiritual beings mm -hmm. and different people have different views of who they are. And these are, these guides are there to help you and they guide you. And I had guides and I felt I had one that helped me through my astrological readings. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's something that I like what she had, only she maybe had it to a, a fuller extent. Uh, and and um, so that passage there shows us how this is not just something that's false, but that it's demonic. Yeah. Uh, so divination is a serious issue for, for God and he takes it very seriously. And there's a reason that, you know, the astrologers are denounced and um, put to shame in the book of Daniel uh, <laughs> because they can't help the king. And Isaiah 47 is another uh, passage. It's a judgment on Babylon. And Isaiah 47 is where God uh, rep well, more than reprimands. Uh, he judges Babylon for its use of sorcery and the yeah. occult arts. Yeah. Uh, and, and astrology is mentioned there. And I do want to point out there is no Hebrew word for astrology because it's a modern word. Mm -hmm. But when we see in scripture, it's um, they'll say bowing down to starry hosts. Yeah. There's right. different terms. What there's one dividing up the sky. Okay. And that, cause that's what they did to yeah. read the position. Cause um, Manasseh and Hosea, they okay. they brought in um all sorts of occult practices and then they'll yeah. say and yeah. i think it's in amos correct me if i'm wrong yeah, there amos, is something in amos I right he mentions god, right god, which and, i think maybe was saturn okay and there's so that, a reference, um, reference to that in x i think 741 or 742 there's a reference to the amos passage Okay. Okay. I think I could be wrong. I think it's same as six, but I, I need to double check that. Is it, uh, is it five and six? Or maybe I'm, five. Yeah, yeah. probably somewhere on that line. Yeah. yeah. And um the references like that that show astrology, um, and the dividing up the sky, bowing down to the host of heaven, worshiping mm -hmm. the host of heaven, and 
uh, similar kinds of references that clearly are a reference to the use of astrology. Right. So it is, it is very clear that God is denouncing it and forbidding it. Mm-hmm. And if God is denouncing and forbidding it, then certainly a Christian should take that seriously mm-hmm. and not out of curiosity or a sense of, oh, it's just for fun. I'm going to read my horoscope for today. <laughs> you know, because basically you're telling God, I don't take you seriously. Yeah. I don't take what you say about astrology seriously or yeah, I take it seriously. I'm not going to get into it. God, I'm just reading this for fun, which is very, at the very least, disrespectful of God. Yeah. At the very least. And then it's disobedient. Oh yeah. So, you know, I, as soon as you do that, you've got a serious problem. Oh yeah. You can't play You can't, you know, you can't play around. Right. With the occult. Even if you just, you know, jokingly, yeah. you can still open doors yes. to yeah. the demonic. And, hey, I'm just looking at this horse. That's just a, that's something that's going to lead you further down the rabbit trail. Yes. It, because it, it, it what can. happens if you find out what takes, you know, what's said about you happens. Exactly. And that was, yeah, that was my next point. So if you're reading it and then one day it comes true. Mm-hmm. it seems to come true then you get even more interested yeah and then you think well i wonder what it's going to say tomorrow you know it was right the other day i want to see what it says today mm-hmm. and then you get you know your curiosity and interest increase uh this is actually how a lot of people end up going to astrologers they start mm-hmm. off reading their horoscope column or some book about their sun sign um it's really it's it's a it's a trap uh, that you think you can avoid, and you and this is another thing pride comes in mm-hmm. because you think, well, I'm not going to be deceived. Yeah, I'm not going to fall into a trap. I can read it for fun, and I'll be okay. I see this kind of thinking, unfortunately, in the church a lot. I see it a lot when I warn about occult things, and people are taking them lightly. Yeah. And they'll say, but, you know, I just read it for fun or, you know, I went to the psychic because I wanted to see what she had to say. You know, I mean, I, I mean, that's a little more extreme, but there are Christians who have that mindset and they'll, and they'll say to me, this is another false idea in the church. I have the Holy Spirit, so I can't be deceived. Mm. or the the Holy Spirit will let me know if what I'm doing is wrong. I see Mm -hmm. a lot of this. Now, there's a big problem here because, first of all, yes, the Holy Spirit might give you a conviction that it's wrong, but we are able to ignore the Holy Spirit if we want to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And this is talked about, I think, in Ephesians. Mm -hmm. You can ignore the Holy Spirit and continue on your merry way and then you become more and more hardened and insensitive to the Holy Spirit. Right. So where you don't even feel the conviction anymore. Right. Um, or um, the Holy Spirit will warn you um, and you you just you reinterpret it or something. You decide to make it into something else. Well, the Holy Spirit's worrying about this, but not that. You know, you well, there's all kinds of ways we can rationalize it. Mm-hmm. So to say I have the Holy Spirit, I can't be deceived or to say I have the Holy Spirit, 
he'll let me know if what I'm doing is wrong is pride. Right. And I cannot tell you how many Christians tell me that, not just with regards to occult practices, but false teachings. If I warn them about a certain teaching that mm-hmm. is, um, and this is not a big, uh, you know, my area of ministry, but it, ha- it happens to, I get asked about people sometimes, you know, certain yeah. teachers who are not just erroneous, they're actually heretical. And they're teaching things that are uh, go against one or more of the essentials of the faith. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, but, you know, and they'll say, well, this person says some things that have helped me and some things that are good. And I'll say, but, you know, they have these teachings that are, that are non-Christian and against God's word. And they'll say, well, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and read the book because the Holy Spirit will let me know if I don't, if I shouldn't read it. Yeah. Well, you know, and, well, actually the Holy Spirit's already let you know you shouldn't read it because <laughs> the teachings are against God's word right. and, and God's word was written under the superintendent through the Holy Spirit, right. God breathed words. So the Holy Spirit's already let you know this book is against him. So now you're saying, no, the Holy Spirit's going to let me know. Well, he's already done that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. I, I don't know. This kind of thinking really, really bothers me. It really yeah. bothers me. And I try to explain. Some people will rethink what I said. Some many, many don't because they've already mm-hmm. decided what they're going to do. So as your time as an astrologer, did you have a lot of Christians coming? I had people who said they were Christians. I was not in a position at that time to know who was a Christian and who wasn't. Uh, yes, I had I had this this person I worked with um, at that office, a very uh, kind of devout Baptist, been raised in the Baptist church. She was from, a, uh, she was, we were in Atlanta, but she was from a, a more rural area outside Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, considered herself a Christian, and she had me do her chart. Um, mm. My teacher, I mean, not my teacher, my employer who had hired me there was a faith well, he and his wife were faithful members of the Methodist church. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, he arranged for me to speak to his Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. And what happened that was very interesting is the teacher was okay with it. But the teacher told me ahead of time before I came that there was a married couple in the class who disagreed with me coming and to speak and they would not be there that Sunday. They were the only people in the class who disagreed, or at least vocally disagreed, and the only people who didn't show up in that class. Let me let me jump in. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm you know, and I think you and I are, are quite alike on the same page with agreeing with a lot of lot of stuff. Because um, I I follow you on Facebook anyway, so I oh, had a lot okay. of likes. I had a lot of likes with you. Thank you. Thank um, you. <laughs> and I was sharing with several friends. I said I think, and I just got confirmation in a book um he's a german theologian curl or carl cox oh yeah i'm i'm i've read one or, or more of his books i'm a little bit familiar with it yeah okay he um john MacArthur was quoting him quite a bit in a sermon he did on um magic and demons back in okay. the 70s so i just recently listened to oh, it okay. a friend sent it to me um but he was saying that some people lack discernment and with joining certain denominations or churches, I think, and with my experience, some 
indirectly prime people for new age practices, the occult, because of speaking into an existence, declaring decree, words have oh, power. Because of their teachings. Because of the teachings already yeah. in the church. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Laws of faith and laws of prayer. And yeah, you're. Yeah, I think you're talking about the word of faith movement. Um, people like Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth. Right. Hagen, but that's uh, what I notice is a lot of them easily accept zodiac signs. Oh, okay. I didn't you know. know that. I didn't know they accepted zodiac signs. Well, I'm not saying just just engaging with some of them. They they. You know, oh, just saying on post oh, social media, follow, and, right? Teachers, right? It's not yeah, being I, it's I, not I, being I taught that, against. Yeah, because and I think the reason for that is, I mean, these kind of teachings. There was an influence from the New Thought movement, mm-hmm. um, and but there were also early charismatic movements that had these ideas. Um, there's a friend of mine, Rob Bowman, who wrote a book called The Word Faith Controversy. Mm-hmm. It goes into the history of this, which I have not read, and I, I'm not, I don't really know the history very well at all. Um, but uh, okay, this is how I see it. Yes, there is that kind of thinking there, and I think that if you accept that as biblical, then it makes you more susceptible to believing these these other things right. that are new age or occult because they sound similar. Yeah, and so you're more open to that. I do agree with that. I also think that somebody that's in a church that is not word of faith, that doesn't have those teachings, also can be open to it for other reasons. Mm-hmm. If they have, and of course, word of faith has such a corrupt theology. Oh yeah, that you, you can't be surprised that people there get deceived by other teachings. Make time. Their theology is corrupt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's basically heretical. Their view of God is heretical and everything. So um, other people who are in churches that have maybe what appears to be a sound statement of faith and maybe and doesn't teach any of those things like, you know, speak that into existence or whatever, mm-hmm. still aren't, aren't really teaching the Bible or aren't teaching sound theology. Right. And if you don't have a basis in that, you're open to deception too. Mm-hmm. So just a lack of poor theology is going to possibly lead you into occult, accepting occult and new age teachings in general, yeah. I would say. Okay. Yeah. Let me, um, we got you know, cut short on time here. Why do you think it's such a boom today? Why, you know, amongst young people, middle-aged older people everyone is turning to the charts i'm looking to the stars i'm looking to the skies why do you think and in closing what is your warning okay let me say that um i think one of the reasons and this is pretty much speculation on my part although i think other people agree with me (laughs) one of the reasons is that the last two or three generations there has been a decline in the church itself. I'm mm-hmm. not going to blame the culture. I don't do that. I'm going to say it's the culture's fault. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're getting more pagan. I think they are getting more pagan, but the church is still supposed to stand. Right. True. And if the stir- church starts to get more worldly or, or, or starts to water down its teachings, 
then that that's on them. Mm-hmm. Like, like God says, judgment begins with the house of God. Right. Right. So, you know, we need to look to ourselves and not blame the culture. And I think that churches have gradually been doing that and have become more worldly or more open to outside ideas. They have seemed to have shrunk away from being stronger on the doctrine of hell, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, the idea that we need to tell people that Christ is the only way to God. There is an eternal consequence, you know, for you. And it's either going to be with God or without God for eternity. That they've a lot of churches have shied away from that. And so they've kind of gotten watered down. And I think that leaves them more open and susceptible to bad teachings. And people then don't get a sound basis in the Bible and God's word, or they don't get encouragement to take these stands. Mm-hmm. And that makes you more open to other spiritual, other spiritualities will come into a vacuum. And so when there's an open space there and the new age, which has increasingly mainstreamed in our culture, has mainstreamed into the church via different avenues. Mm-hmm. And because there are those openings there that the church has made, they have come in. So, and you have pastors who don't want to, to, to take any kind of action or stand when they find out maybe many of their parishioners are following some kind of false ideas. Mm-hmm. They won't, they won't go talk to them. They won't do anything. Uh, and so it spreads among the congregation. Now I actually know of instances where this happens. I mm-hmm. also know of instances where the pastors are aware of it and want to do something. I have had in the past, a few pastors contact me by email and say, there's a woman in my church and she's spreading this new age idea that of blah, 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 whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And there are people I know in my church who are listening to her and they're reading this book that she's reading mm-hmm. and I need to address this. Or, or he might say, do you think I should say something? Right. And I say, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Say yeah, something. You better. You better. You, you talk did, you to just... that woman or anybody else you think is following her because you've got to nip this in the bud. You're the pastor. You're the pastor. They're right. your sheep. You need They're to go sheep. deal with this. Um, and I think a lot of pastors either don't know what's going on or they know it's going on and they don't know what to do or they don't know how to stop it. Uh, so that also opens a door. And so I actually, I mean, I actually deal with a lot of Christians who encounter, and they also don't, another problem is, and I'm not really blaming anybody for this, but, uh, Christians for the most part don't know how to recognize the new age. And that's partly because it has mainstreamed and it's, and so many new age ideas are acceptable in the culture. And it's also partly because the new age is so good at disguising itself with familiar language. So we see certain words and we think they mean one thing and the new age actually means something else by them. Mm -hmm. And the new age is able to sound scientific. It uses pseudoscience. Right. But it, it sounds scientific to people and they think, well, this is scientific. So it's true. And so it's the new age is very, very, very deceptive. It appears, I always tell people, it always appears positive, good and helpful. Mm-hmm. 
And most people are not going to say no to something that seems positive, good, and helpful. Right. And it's like, well, it seems good, but it's helpful or it helped my neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, why can't I try it? You know, I don't see any harm. They don't understand the real meaning and ideas behind this language. I mean, that's that's a big part of my ministry is exposing this kind of deception. Yeah. You know, I usually don't spend a lot of time on the real obvious kind of deceptions. Um, I mean, sometimes I do if they're real popular. Uh, to me, burning sage is an obvious deception, but apparently it's not as obvious as I thought. Right, right. <laughs> you, you want to burn sage for the smell. That's one thing. But the whole idea of it is a spiritual idea. Power of intent. Yeah. And, and yeah. that you're, well, that you're purifying the air around you, of mm-hmm. negative energy or um, negative thinking. Mm-hmm. and uh clearing the area and there's all there's several meanings to it that are yeah. used in the new age and the occult um and people pick this up and somehow they think well this is a good thing to do this will mm-hmm. help me well no this is a spiritual activity based on new age and occult beliefs yeah so a lot of my my job is exposing these things that might seem harmless that are actually based on ideas opposed to god Mm-hmm. And but it but it's difficult, and I sympathize with people who don't see it because I don't think it's it's many times obvious or clear. Yeah, and they don't know how to unpack it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is this is what my work. I I mean this my work is cut out for me because there's a lot of it going on. So I am very very busy. There's yeah. always something to address. Or there's more than one thing to address at the time. That's for sure. Mm. And I and I, and I guess in uh, in closing, um, people don't realize in the deceptive part of with uh, astrology that everything's off by a month. Yes, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In actual astronomical terms, uh-huh. because of something called the precession of the equinox, where the orientation of the North Pole shifts over time, shifts into another constellation. Um, the, the zodiacs moved backwards by about, I think, 20 degrees or so. So you're actually, if you think you're a Taurus, you're probably actually, uh, in many cases, an Aries. Right. And if you're a Virgo, maybe you're actually a Leo. I think it goes backwards that way. So you're reading, you know, you're reading about, you know, Virgo and you're actually a Leo. <laughs> Not that you're actually a Leo, but according right. to the zodiac. Um, now, astrologers know about that, and their their response to that is, because most astrologers will still use the fixed zodiac, mm-hmm. the fixed zodiac belt, which is actually, and we're t- what you're talking about is that the, that zodiac belt has moved, but the astrologers use the fixed zodiac belt the way it was 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. because they believe that the way astrology developed um, the meaning still still hold true. So even though that zodiac bell is no longer accurate, it doesn't matter because symbolically it's still true. Now that's how they rationalize it. Yeah. So okay. I do want people to know most astrologers are aware of that, but they don't they don't count it as really meaningful, and they still will use. Now, not that's not true for all astrologers. Some of them will use a new zodiac orientation. Um, 
there's different, it gets into the mathematics of it, but there's a way you can do it where you make it quote unquote more accurate. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a lot of people like looking at the horoscope column don't realize it's probably for two thirds of them. It's not accurate anymore. Mm. Talking about great deception. Yeah. Talk about great deception. Well, if people want to get in contact with you, get a hold of you and please tell them about okay. the books that you have before we head out. Okay, sure. I want to say one more thing about astrology. Yeah, sure. Help it, put, it puts you in a box. You know, so you think you're, you know, I'm a Capricorn. So I'm like this, 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 this. You've got a little box that you're in. Mm -hmm. And this is not how God made you. You know, God tells us who we are. We're made in his, his image. We're fallen because we're in Adam before we're, we trust in Christ. And then when we trust in Christ, we're being conformed to his image. Right. And so that's our model. Mm -hmm. and you're not in a box so mm -hmm. you know and this puts you in a category or a box and it's very very limiting and it's and besides the fact that it's false so it's not even really who you are <laughs> so the fact that it may seem to be who you are is coincidental because uh human nature is described in all 12 zodiac signs right so i just wanted to say that real quickly but people can go to my website christiananswersforthenewage.org and I have many, many articles there on the articles page on new age and occult topics. And then on Facebook, I have a ministry page called Christian Answers for the New Age that you can like and follow. And I post things there related to my ministry areas uh, fairly often. Mm -hmm. And I try to keep up with things. I answer questions. You can always message me there. I'm happy to answer questions. I welcome questions. I don't mind them. They don't bother me. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's where you can find me. That's Facebook's the only social media I have. And believe me, it's more than enough. So I have not gone to anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't plan to. I mean, at this point, I am so busy just with Facebook and my, the emails I get through my website and right. writing articles and, and doing interviews and talking, et cetera. I just, I don't want to add more to my plate because then I'm spread out too thin. And you have two books. Uh, oh, Richard, yes. Thank you. Tell them about the two books. Uh, Spellbound uh, did come out a while ago, 2006. Spellbound, the paranormal seduction of today's kids. If you look for it on Amazon, you need to put my name after Spellbound because there is a ton of books with mm -hmm. Spellbound. Most of them are like novels. but It's, it's three kids sitting in front of a TV. Oh, okay. Thank you. It is a really guide for, for Christian parents on the occult and the occult concepts and market in their culture. Uh, and then uh, the other book is Richard War and the Enneagram Secret. And this, of course, is on the Enneagram, which most Christians by now have heard of and think mm -hmm. it's a personality test, but it actually isn't. I've done quite a few interviews on that and I have articles on my website on it. So it is actually a new age tool and it is not valid. Thank you. I have my copy. Right now, I know they can't, <laughs> no, they can't see because we're just doing audio, but right. he's, you've got a copy of it. Thank you. So um, that will give you, and it's not a long book. It's not long. Not so you all. can get all the information you need. Richard War plays into it. And that's why there's two chapters on him in that book. Uh, we had many good endorsements from uh, seminary professors, heads of ministry, Dr. H. Wayne House, who's a scholar, read the forward. So um, if you want to really get the info on the Enneagram, that's the book. 
Okay. Let me, let me, I'm sorry. That's okay. Do you think, before we close, I know my arms like, man, y'all been closing. It's something like a Baptist preacher. I got you. I got you. I'm, I'm closing. We go. Do you <laughs> think that the new age is just a recycle of a lot of old pagan religious beliefs? Yes, I think, I think generally speaking, it is. I think it's, it's old pagan beliefs that come in new disguise mm-hmm. and um, absorb new, absorb current concepts or current disguises or merge with things that are current. Um, the new age is very good at blending. I mean, cause the new age itself is a blend. Right. So it is very adaptable and very good at blending with other things, including Christianity. I mm-hmm. mean, it doesn't actually blend because it's incompatible with it, but it right. looks like it's Christian. Mm. And so um, it's very good at that. Yeah, I think it I think it goes back to um, the idea of man having a divine nature, mm-hmm. being, being God himself and the, that man can actually do things that are almost godlike in power we don't really need god mm-hmm. uh, so of course that's pagan and practices are uh, in the new age the practices are basically occult practices mostly. right and that goes way back too to sorcery and divinity mm-hmm. and so these are recycled but they look new and modern because they they come with modern language and what we think are modern ideas mm-hmm. or contemporary ideas so the disguise is very good. And mm. that's what we need to be aware of. And the Bible says, don't think, you know, you can stand lest you fall. Right. You, you have to, we need to, we need to, you know, try to be humble enough to realize we can be deceived. Right. Uh, and we trust in the Lord. Yes. We're, we trust in his word and, we don't want to believe things against God, but we we can if we open ourselves up to it. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, I, and I asked you that question because um, I had to go back and reference in Arnold's book that I, I mentioned earlier. He talked about spirit guides oh, okay. and Greco-Roman um, cult practices then with different okay. cults groups so that's why i was at i was like man a lot of the stuff that i'm hearing today with new age and other yeah these fringe pop-ups it goes back like you can like if you if you know how to properly research and i'm talking anybody out there academically and you read some of the older stuff that we can have that we have uh maybe translate into our english or whatever language um from the greek to hebrew you know mesopotamian babylon a lot of that stuff is found today you know, yeah. and it goes back to what Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just a demon yeah. that we package. So I, you know, that's the whole connection that yes, that I believe that Martian made today is showing you all how demonic astrology is and pinpointing with Acts 16, the Pythion that Luke mentions the girl oh, the had. Of the Python, right. That's the, the Python. Trying, that's the word I was trying to think of was Python. Mm-hmm. I think I which, and you know which is uh and you look at the origins of 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 that um you know as far as that lady being referred the oracle uh, it was a female in uh Delphi yeah. as yeah. a prophetess she they said she had a god in her belly and her voice would change and so yeah. 
You know, you might want to be careful when somebody comes up to you and say, I got a word from the Lord. You better make sure you better question right. what God they serving. You know, Ted John tells us first John four, we better test and okay. try those spirits. So yeah. but anyways, but <laughs> with <laughs> Marsha, <now>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, I don't, I don't play. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I, right. I'm going, I'm a Bible says we got to wait to see what you say is if, even if you believe they're still, props today which i'm on the fence because you only build a foundation once but anyways i'm not gonna get into that right. <laughs> probably half my audience unsubscribed that's cool you gotta do what you gotta do when jesus told them hard truth what it majority of them left they was gone dipped that's out right that's they right they gone but anyways but marcia appreciate you stopping by thank you so much uh thank you for having me i really enjoyed this discussion and i'll pray it's helpful to your listeners and have me on again anytime. Yes, because I, I want to. I want to get you back on talking about the. Uh, is it enneagram or enneagram? Enneagram. Enneagram. There we go. Enne- like the, like pretend it's like A N Y a gram. Enneagram. Gotcha. Enneagram. <laughs> Not yeah. no, I All right. Well, hey, appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. And this is the first episode in our series on the occult slash the cult. All right. We love you. We thank God for you. Have an awesome day. Peace. Thank you.